I want to talk today from Ephesians chapter four about one of the maybe the greatest weapon that we have in an effort to um, make our families as good as they can possibly be. As I said in the first service, so our families can be hitting on all cylinders. And one of the greatest weapons that we have, and you may not consider it a weapon because of uh, the way that we use that word, but one of the greatest weapons that we can fight for the goodness and, and for the potential of our families is in the way, is our words, and especially in the way that we use our words. And many times when you're talking about fighting and you're talking about families, you would think of words in a negative way, but the Bible has much, much, much positive to say about how we use our words within the family. I, for three years, I traveled with a company called SkillPath, and I went around to businesses literally from coast to coast and doing business seminars on communication because everybody understands the importance of communication. And those people uh, would, those companies would pay big bucks for people to fly out there and do a seminar and, and put them up and feed them and everything while they're out there because they know their workers, their office place, people have to communicate well to one another. And that doesn't always mean making sure people are in the loop. It means how you communicate. It means how you say what you say. And so it's the most widely requested uh, seminar for a business that there ever could be. And the importance of that is one of the reasons that God just talks about uh, almost from the front to the back of his word on the importance of our words and how we use them. And I want to talk through a passage in Ephesians 4 today. And, And so we can be able to fight for the potential that our families have and be able to fight Uh, for that potential with the words that we use and make our words a positive thing and said so many times we remember our words as being a a negative thing or someone said uh, something to me that I remember the rest of my life and sometimes that's a negative thing more than a positive thing. Let's talk about the positive potential of our words. Ephesians chapter four, the Bible says right after we've gone through about six or seven verses talking about Uh, You no longer, um, you put off the old self and you put on the new self. Right after six or seven verses of now you are a new man. Now that you are in Christ, uh, you are a new man. You are a new woman. And right after those six or seven verses, the Holy Spirit guides Paul to immediately start talking about the tongue. And I think that is important. Right after this, that, that you're no longer what you used to be. You're, you're the put on the new man right after that. He immediately goes and starts talking about the way we use our words. The Bible says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now, when it's talking about putting off falsehood, yes, of course, it means don't lie. But I think that is just just a small sliver of what Paul is trying to think trying to speak to us here. It it means for us to be able to speak truth, not only in the context of not lying, that's, that's elementary. That's one of the top 10, but being able to speak truth in our families. And we'll, we'll speak to that a little bit later. Next verse, please. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And we, we talked about that last week with allowing anger to build up is one of the ways that we can open the door for the enemy to come in our lives and fester and, 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 and brew bitterness and, and uh, dissensions in our spirit. Okay. Next verse. 
Verse 29, which will be our anchor verse today. Do not let any unwholesome, and you look up that word unwholesome, some of your translations will say corrupt. When you look on that word unwholesome, it literally means a word that's used for rotten fruit. Okay, uh, it's, it's, it's rotten. Don't let any rotten language come out of your mouth. Now, where everybody auto- automatically goes to this is you shouldn't say those four-letter words that you shouldn't say, okay? Yeah, that's true. That's, that's duh. That's elementary. But there's so much more to not letting unwholesome talk come out of your mouth just in those words that your mommy told you not to say. Yeah, I guess that's in here somewhere, but this explodes with application in more than just that dirty language that you got your mouth washed out for, okay? Do not let rotten talk, corrupt talk, unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit, now check that last little phrase out, that it may benefit those who listen. That's an okay translation of that. But in original language, the word that's here translated benefit is actually the word grace. It's the word grace, the same word that is used many times when we refer to the grace of God. Uh, in some translations it'll say, in fact, I think the New King James translation says, so that you may impart grace to those who listen. That, that's a fabulous thought. With my words, with your words, I have the ability to impart grace to you. Not grace in the same way God imparts grace, especially saving grace, sanctifying grace, all of that. But I can still, grace means kindness, grace means love, grace means favor. With my tongue, I can be a grace giver. With my tongue, the Bible says, I can impart grace. I can be a giver of grace. I can give you grace and you can give me grace. Now that's a fabulous thought. That's a fabulous thought. This is not a bad translation. I just, the most literal way that you could translate that. And the reason I didn't translate it with grace is because grace is usually spoken of in a relationship with God and so forth and so on. So this is not a bad translation, but I like the more literal one that says that so you may impart I want to give grace to people. I do. I just, you know, I guess I don't know all that that means, but that sounds like something that a Christian should do. I want to give grace to people. And I've been on the, I've been on the receiving end of grace and it really, really feels good. And I want to be on the dispensing end of that. I want to dispense grace to people. Not only what I do here for a living and I get up and talk uh, every Sunday, but in my normal way of life, even when I'm not in my pastor clothes and when I'm doing, I'm out doing whatever I'm doing, I want to be with my words. I want to impart grace to other people. And the Bible says that we can do that. What else do we have up here? Verse 30 says, and fascinating now in this whole talk about imparting grace and this whole talk about using words, his mind immediately, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, his mind immediately goes to, the whole, goes to the Holy Spirit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So it's easy to say that, that if I don't do these things that are up here before that verse, if I'm not imparting grace, if I'm letting corrupt and rotten and unwholesome words, then I am grieving the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that has come to reside in us, don't grieve Don't grieve that Holy Spirit by not doing what has been listed above here, imparting grace with your words, not letting 
unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Okay, what else do we have? Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now we're going to go back to verse 29, and that's going to be our anchor verse. And we're going to talk out of this verse for the next few minutes. And if you have something on your device or if you've got a Bible with you, there, uh, if you don't have one, there's ones at the doors. If you don't own a Bible and want to take one or know someone that doesn't have a Bible, please feel free to take those. Those are yours and you can be able to dispense grace to someone as you hand them God's word as well. Do not let, do not let any unwholesome talk. Do not let any rotten talk. Do not let any corrupt talk. The first thing I want to say is depending on the translation, um, this says, do not let, or some of the older translations says, let not any unwholesome talk. The, the key is here, I have this power to do this. This is the words that I say are not something that's just flying around somewhere and make just come and take me captive and there's no telling what come out of my mouth. The Bible in every place it talks about our words says we have the ability to control our tongue. And, and that would go, excuse me, that would go for Christian and non-Christian alike. We have the ability to control our tongue. Now, we as Christians who have the power of the Holy Spirit have extra unction to be able to do that. But what I can't say is, is um, oh, you know, I, I, I just inherited my mother's tongue. Now, the truth of the matter is some of you did inherit your mother's tongue. And your DNA may not help you out in this area. <laughs> but I can't use that as an excuse. Bible says for me, especially since one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. The Bible says for me to control my tongue. Let not. And I can't use it as an excuse this and I can't use this as an excuse and I can't use that as an excuse. The Bible says I have the power within me to say it or not to say it, I have that power. And I, many times we say things just kind of slipped out. Did it really? Because here's what, here's what happens for me, and maybe I'm the only one. But when I'm tempted to say something that I shouldn't, I'm telling you, it's just like something happens so quick in my brain, I get this red light, I get this voice but not an audible voice that just in a split second says are you sure you want to say that I get that and I think I'm just normal Joe like everybody else and it, it, that's how powerful that's how powerful our brain is it's how powerful the Holy Spirit is it's how powerful all of that mixed together is I don't know but so many times at when something is right on the tip of my tongue, in a split second, I'll have a red light. And then I have a choice. I can stop at that red light or I can plow on through it. The text says, let not. The text says, do not allow this to happen. Now that you are a new man in Christ, now that you are a new woman in Christ, you have that. Nothing, 
comes out of your mouth, nothing comes out of my mouth involuntarily. I may be sorry that I said it because of consequences for what I've said or someone took it the wrong way, but nothing, I just don't vomit words out of my mouth. That that is an act of my own will. And the Bible says, let not. The Bible says, do not let unwholesome talk come from your mouth. Here's what happened last night at our house. It was eight o'clock or so and I was trying to decide uh, what I was going to wear and um, being as fat as I am, that's a challenge nowadays, okay? And it's more of a challenge because it's a summer and in the summer I can't wear sweaters like I did and cover up all my blubber, okay? So now... Since it's the summer and it looks really weird to wear sweaters all the time, I have to decide what I'm going to wear, you know? And so I was getting all frustrated. So I couldn't find anything that, that, that I wanted to wear and anything that hid these 25 pounds I got on me and all that stuff. And, and uh, I have this one sweater vest. You'll be surprised to know I wear sweater vests every now and then. And... <laughs> and and I said, well, man, I'll wear this sweater vest and find a shirt to put it. It's a sleeveless sweater vest and I'll put a shirt and then I can cover it up and da, 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 da. So I was trying to find something to go underneath this sweater vest that looked halfway decent. And I couldn't find anything. And I'm going to tell you, I was getting irritated. And the reason I was getting irritated because I said, I'm going to have to go out clothes shopping. And there's nothing I hate worse than going out clothes shopping. So there, I know there wasn't anything that was looking good. So I was trying three or four different things on. And here Sue comes up. And Sue walks in and goes... That doesn't look good. <laughs> I was already irritated. No fault of her own, I was already irritated. And so my nerves were kind of just a little, you know, you know how that feeling gets right there, you know? And then she's, I didn't need to be told it didn't look good, okay? Because I knew it didn't look good. And so at that moment, I mean, I wanted to say, I know that. Now, that's not the worst thing that couples can exchange in words. But uh, at that moment, I had to let not. That's a little thing. But it, it, that wasn't her fault that she came in. She was doing me a favor. She didn't want me to look stupid in front of you all. I mean, she was doing me a favor. But I had to let not because not because she said anything that that was really bad It's because I was irritated anyway and I was already irritated and then that on top of it and but I had to let not and those are one of those little things that happen in marriages that happen in relationships that happen all the time little insignificant things that you have to let not on because what I found those little insignificant things they are little and insignificant but if I pounce on that, it gets bigger. Because sometimes if I pounce back, then she pounces. Then we're pouncing back and forth. And this was just a little thing. It's nothing. Let not. Let not. 
Bible says that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. That's why we talk so much about being filled with God's Holy Spirit, letting God's Holy Spirit lead you and guide you because it's so much easier to have God's Spirit and His Spirit awakens you and quickens you, gives you that red light so that you will let not. But also, an overarching verse on this. What's the next verse that we have up here? An overarching verse is, is verse 25, and that's what we started with. And it says, it says, let not, uh, excuse me, it says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully one to another. And again, that's just not like not lying. Obviously, duh. Yeah, we're not supposed to lie to one another. But for your family to reach its potential and for your family to be operating on all cylinders, for your family to really be hitting it, you know, there has to be a culture of truth telling and not, not like just not lying. It's just more than that. It's a culture of truth in our families, that this is a place in our families that we can all speak truth to one another. And, and how many families today are going through issues that, that could have been avoided if somewhere back a month, six months, year, five years ago, someone had just had the courage to speak truth. And I'm the first one that knows that speaking truth is risky business because us that are pastors, many times we have to speak truth in the counseling office. And as, as kind as I try to speak it, it hasn't always worked well. But it has to be said. How can your family, how can your family be all that God wants it to do? Is there a culture of truth, authenticity, that husband can speak to wife, wife can speak to husband, husband can speak to son, mother can speak to daughter, however all that goes. Is there that culture in your family or is your family like a lot of families and like some pockets of my family, I wouldn't have to go down for too many grandparents or cousins in my family and, and, and understand this, that there wasn't truth told there a long time ago. And because truth wasn't told, there are issues now. And because truth wasn't told, someone had enabled someone else. And allowed something to go on. Oh, this is so easier preached than, than done. I, I, I get that. I, I get that thousand percent. But if your family wants to be all that God wants it to be, there has to be a culture of authenticity. There has to be a culture that we can speak truth one to another. There's two, there's two great temptations many times. One of those is to say something that doesn't need to be said. And the other one is to not say something that needs to be said. The enemy will hit you at both of those places that you just need to spout off and say what you want to say. Or I got to keep the peace. And don't want to ruffle feathers. And so for month after month and year after year, the temptation is not to say what needs to be said. Both of those are equal temptations that the enemy glees in. Enjoys 
both of those. Proverbs 27, 6 is an applicable verse here because the Bible said the wounds from a friend can be trusted. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Sometimes telling the truth can be the kindest, most compassionate thing you could ever do. And you could truly prove your love for someone because you tell them the truth. And not telling them the truth could be one of the most selfish things that I would ever do. Because the only reason I don't want to tell them the truth is because I know that there could be consequences and I don't want to have to deal with those consequences. Hey, hey friends, I get this. This is, this, I think we all know this is truth. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm, um, I'm not saying this is the easiest thing in the world to do and just go out and knock this out like it's nothing. But how many families under the sound of my voice right here are the way they are today because somewhere along the line, truth was not spoken. And someone needed to step up and speak truth. Now, may I say something to all the the young families here in the Kids are still relatively young. It's a whole lot easier to start this culture of truth-telling when they're young than it is when they're older. That's common sense. Anything's easier when you start younger. But if you let stuff build up over years and gets inside of families and you've worn a mask for a long time, man, it gets hard. I don't want, nothing's impossible for God, but it just gets hard. And it's not easier to receive once a whole bunch of stuff is piled up over the years. When, when you can keep short accounts and you can start this culture of truth telling and you can tell me anything and I can tell you anything, uh, your family has a chance to operate at its full potential. There's, a, there's, a, there's something about that truth telling though. And it's, it shows in Ephesians 4, 15, that truth just a few verses above it says the truth must be spoken in love uh the truth is a truth okay the truth is a truth um but it's the way we say it that makes all the difference in the world you've heard it said a hundred million times it's not what you say it's how you say it and that is a hundred percent true and that's exactly what the bible says here whoever come up with that little saying it's not what you say it's how you say it they're putting the bible in their own words that's all they're doing Because the Bible says, speak the truth in love. And hard truth can be received, or at least it's a whole lot better chance that it's going to be received if it's spoken with a heart of love. If it's not, it'll come off as self-righteous and it won't be received. It's still truth. It's still truth and still needs to be received, but you need to do every single thing. And I need to do every single thing as I talk to my boys, as I talk to my wife, as I'm in the counseling room or wherever it may be, I need to bend over backwards so it's easy to receive what I'm getting ready to say. And that's what the Bible says, speak it in love. That has everything to do with my body language, with my tone of voice, with the relationship that I have with that person, who, if you're in relationship with that person, it's so much easier to speak a difficult truth in their life. That, that, that has so much to do with, with 
with, with even my posture. When I, when I will be talking face to face with someone and, and, we're, and I feel like the need to say something that could not, maybe won't be received well, I, I want to make sure that my arms aren't like this. And I'll probably take a really, um, you know, a pose that's really non-confrontational. I might even just stick my hands in my pockets, you know. Lower my voice a little bit, and and sometimes you got a deep voice. You can be intimidating, even when you don't know or trying to be intimidating. And sometimes I'll ask permission before I do it, and I'll say, "Is is it okay if I tell you the truth?" I've never had a single person say no. <laughs> hey, can I can I be real honest with you? Can I be real honest with you? Saying that true statement with with I statements instead of you statements, not always saying you, 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 but telling how you feel and how this affected you in your life. There's so much to know about how you say it. And that's what the Bible says. Would you speak the truth in love? So it's 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 the temptation is not only to say what you shouldn't say. It's to say what you should say in the wrong way. I'll just tell her. (laughs) And you're just blowing, it's like throwing a cake of dynamite into the communication process. When you speak, here's an example of, of, how body language or something could help as you speak. Uh, lots of times, I find it harder now as I age, but as I'm talking to kids, I'll do this. Little kids. Now, what am I doing? I, I'm, I'm getting down on their level. I'm, I don't, I don't want to be towering over top of them. I'm, I'm just coming down to where they are, whatever I'm saying. I'm a less intimidating person. A little five-year-old doesn't know what a 59-year-old is going to do anyway, but I get right down here at their level, and I'm looking at them eye to eye, or even they're a little taller than I am. There's so many ways, if you think about it, in this difficult conversation of telling truth that you know you need to have, if you think through that, if you just don't willy-nilly it, if you just think through that, how can I best do this? What place can I best do this? How can I best do this? How can I start this conversation now? That's all has to do with shows that you love the other person because you're going to put the time in to think through that and not just drop a truth bomb on them. Okay? For your family to have a culture of truth and for that truth to be received... That truth has to be seed in love. Because, listen, listen. The Pharisee only wants to tell truth. The Christian wants that truth to be received. Did you get that? The Pharisee's only job is to speak truth. Well, I, I told him. I told him. The Christian's job is to tell that truth in a way that it's easy to be received. I just don't want to get truth off my shoulders. I want that truth to penetrate and to do work in somebody's life. So I tell the truth in love. I tell the truth in love.
We got a little bit more up here. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry so that you will not give the devil a foothold. Those are uh, truth uh, helps to take care of conflict in your families. And, and one by one, you could stand. And if it's not in your immediate family, would know of other family members in your extended family that there is conflict today because truth wasn't told. The, the, the only way that conflict can be avoided in reality is not by ignoring it. It's by dealing with it. And dealing with conflict requires truth, albeit truth in love. I don't even know if Harold remembers this, but Harold Horton was the senior adult pastor when I was here, when I first came here. And I was the interim pastor and it kind of looked like y'all were going to vote on me as the senior pastor and all that. And, and, uh, Harold came into my office one day and, um, said, can I, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, sure. Pull up a chair. And Harold shared with me something that was bothering him. It was, it was something that I'd done and, and, and that I'd done, you know, previously. And it was presenting some conflict. And I didn't even know there was conflict, but there was conflict in his spirit. And if I was going to be in the senior pastor and he was going to sit there on the fifth row for the next eight or 10 years and listen to me, he, he needed to be able to receive from me. And it's hard to receive from people where you've got conflict. And so he shared that with me, brought it to my attention. And some of it was a misunderstanding and some of it was I probably should have handled the situation better. But because of Harold's courage to come in and deal with that, the meeting went great. And because of Harold's courage to come in and do that, not only did he could have eliminated any conflict between us, but he eliminated that conflict in his own spirit. And that conflict in your own spirit is sometimes just as bad as conflict with someone else got to clear that there's no way he could have said under my preaching if he had that feeling that I handled that wrong we had to clear that up and he had to hear my side of it and I and, and all of that we had to clear that up I mean truth enables conflict resolution it's difficult and the reason it's difficult is because we don't know how the other person is going to receive it. So what do we do? We, we bend over backwards to tell it in love. Do everything we possibly can so it can be easily received. When I used to teach, teach communication seminars, we defined communication as message sent equals message received. Message sent equals message received. That's communication. What you usually have is message sent did not equal the message received. And I would always say the receiving of that message is more on the weight of the sender. Obviously, the receiver has some responsibilities. Sure he does. But it's more on the weight of the sender in the way that the sender sends that message for that communication actually to happen. 
Your family will never reach its full potential until you use words to impart grace, to use words to your advantage, to use words to have a culture of truth-telling in your families. So there's authenticity. So there's vulnerability. So it's a real relationship and not just something I'm stuffing and I'm stuffing and I'm smiling and I put that plastic smile on and I'm stuffing and I'm stuffing because I've never dealt with this stuff and I don't want to deal it because dealing with it is risky. And by the way, we know it's risky because someone may not receive it. On our end, let's be the people that can receive things. There's been many times in my life someone has come to me and said, hey, can I talk to you? And they had something they needed to share with me. And sometimes I really agreed with what they said and said they're dead on. And sometimes I'm not sure if I need to own that or not. But every single time I try to say something like, hey, I appreciate you saying that. I receive that. And I'm going to think about that and I'm going to pray about it. And, so, and I do, and sometimes God tells me, hey, they're right, Mark, you need to correct that in your life. Or sometimes God will say, no, no, I don't think they're on base there. But I always bend over backwards to receive it well, because that just seems like that's what a Christian ought to do. That just seems like to me, I don't know, that's just Christianity 101 as I read the Bible. And being easily offended and all of that doesn't seem to be Jesus-like. I want to say one more thing in the last few minutes that kind of has something to do with what I've said, but in a way it's a different topic, but I feel like it needs to be said. Something happened this week and it's, it's happened to me a lot in my ministry and I just want to share it with you. I don't know if I've ever shared it with a congregation. We go back to verse 29 that says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. One of the corrupt words within the context of a marriage, one of the corrupt words, one of the rotten words, one of the unwholesome words that can come out of your mouth. And I heard about it this week and literally I can probably count five to 10 times that I've heard it happen within the marriage relationship. One of those rotten words is when the, is when the word divorce is flippantly used in the marriage relationship. It's just thrown out there. It's just thrown out there in blame. It's thrown out there in accusation. It's thrown out there to dangle this word over you if you don't shape up. I'm going to ship you out. What a, what a rotten word to throw into a marriage. That word, once it's thrown out there and once it gets out you're one step closer to the reality of that the first place for you ever get to the divorce court someone has to say the word and if you've got a type of commitment with your spouse that we're going to go through this thing thick and thin and we're going to get through this no matter what. And by the grace of God, we're going to make this work. 
and, and, and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're submitting to her and she's submitting to you and all of that's going on like it should say, it says it should in Ephesians 5. That word should never come out of my mouth, especially in some type of threatening way. And you don't know how grieved I can be in my own spirit the many times in the counseling room where that word gets just flippantly tossed out. That word is dynamite. That's a corrupt, rotten word. And even the threat of that. Well, I'll, do, I'll just go file for it. No. Obviously, there's, there's much issues going on to have such a spirit that would even come out with that type of word because it's such a damning word. Don't let any rotten words come out of your mouth. Don't allow any corrupt words to enter your marriage. Don't have any unwholesome talk in your family. Our servers are coming to the table. Father, What I've spoken is truth. I hope I've spoken it in love. But uh, even though it's truth, that doesn't mean that it, uh, it's easy to put into play in our lives. Father, I know there are people in this room right now that, that sense conviction. I pray that they could see that um, conviction is a means of your grace to get them to where they need to be in their Christian life, that they'll deal with that. And they'll, by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit, they'll start to let not any unwholesome talk come from our mouths. Father, I pray that as mom and dads, we will model for our children how to impart grace with our words. I pray that we will seek in our family to dispense grace in what we say, even with difficult conversations that much be had, even in the context of discipline, even in the context of I've told him this five times already, that we'll be dispensers of grace, we'll be truth tellers, we'll deal with conflict, we won't stuff it under the rug and allow our family to be able to fight for all it's worth to be the family that you want us to be. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.